1: What is going on everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. We are back on another Monday episode. We've got the whole crew with us. Matt is back from vacation. Dennis is here as well. We are all more than likely amid multiple, multiple rookie drafts at the moment. I know I've got quite a few going on. I'm sure both of them do as well. Dennis is motioning seven if you're not watching live. I think I've only got three right now, thankfully. But i got a bunch kicking off here in the next couple of weeks. Today, we are going to go over some of the NFL news going on including all of the smoke around Aaron Rodgers with Matt's favorite team and then we're going to talk about who might be affected rookie or veteran wise with uh, with the recent NFL draft. But how are you guys doing on this beautiful Monday?
2: Well, you know, I seem to be having some technical difficulty with my computer, so uh, I apologize in advance if I seem to be going in and out and disappearing. Um Overall, busy day at work. Uh, excited to see that uh, Urban Myers off to making stupid decisions. So, you know, we'll see how things go. Looking forward to talking some football.
3: How dare you besmirch Tim Tebow?
2: I didn't besmirch Tebow. I besmirched Urban. Tebow is just collateral damage.
3: It always... Uh it always helps when you come back from vacation to switch you know for reality to sink in when you go from 97 degrees to 39 degrees and then the power takes a dump on you at 602 a.m. when you're trying to get ready for work i was like yeah i'm definitely definitely not on vacation anymore
1: right welcome home yeah, speaking of Urban, I was having a, a talk in, in uh, the Campus Decant Discord about that, actually. I guess apparently I upset some Jacksonville fans with my recent statements on Debbie Debate that I'm not sold Urban Meyer is going to be the uh, the lord and the savior for the Jacksonville Jaguars, they think he is. Uh, they, they said, you know, I, I believe the phrase I used, I'll have to go back and look at it, but they said, hey, You know, you being a Browns fan, you'll understand all you needed was a coaching change, right? I'm like, yeah, I feel like Urban Meyer is going to be your guy's Freddie Kitchens, so you may need another coaching change uh, to get that. So, uh, I just, you know, I love Urban, but I'm not sure that he's going to be the the right fit for Jacksonville, especially with some of the moves they've been making. I mean,
3: at the end, all you needed was a coaching change, but you did a whole lot of stuff before you got that final... Coaching piece, I wouldn't say that Jacksonville entered this offseason at the end of their journey.
2: Well, let me share some experience, strength, and hope with someone who's spent a significant amount of time in recovery. Every person and every team's bottom is different, and I don't think
1: Jacksonville is there yet. Since we're talking about Jacksonville, I'll ask you guys, because I I do – and maybe it's just the internal optimism because I do want to see Urban Meyer succeed because I do have love for him, for him bringing a championship to the Buckeyes. Do you guys think he can turn it around to make them a – we may and we may have talked about this on here, I don't remember – a winning team or get them into the playoffs in, say, the next three or four years?
0: Yeah, he can.
2: I mean, it's certainly within the range of outcomes. But, I mean, this whole – Drafting Travis Etienne as a third-down back when you have bigger needs than signing a 34-year-old washed-out quarterback slash outfielder uh, as a tight end prospect, uh, you know it. It just doesn't. It doesn't instill confidence in me as some someone. Who drafted Trevor Lawrence as at the one hundred and three in a startup?
3: Yeah, I mean, part of me wonders if Urban Meyer is going to be there in three or four years. Um, I I think they'll get back to a certain level. I wouldn't even be surprised their their division has some openings. We still don't know what Houston um, is going to be. All right, don't Tennessee.
2: Houston's going to be a mess. I, I feel for but, David Culley. I mean, Dude, coached forty years and he gets a shot in a complete clusterfuck. I mean, let's. I, it's possible that Tim Tebow could be Jacksonville's Jack Easterby.
3: when the lord is with you who can stand against you
1: yeah okay so let's let's talk about uh let's talk about Aaron Rodgers so there are a lot more rumors and smoke that Aaron Rodgers to Denver could be a real possibility matt i'll let you take this one first since you are our resident broncos fan would you like to see that? I, I mean, I can't imagine what they would have to pay to to get that. I'd imagine at least multiple first-round picks, but I do think it's fair to say Aaron Rodgers coming in there with an already very good offense, and in my opinion, a defense that's going to be a lot better than we saw last year with them getting players back and some of the players that they've drafted brought in free agency. This could be a really good team next year. What are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers possibly coming there, what it could do for Denver?
3: I mean, it depends on what they they have to give up. The first trade structure was three firsts, a second, and Drew Locke, which, okay, you give up picks, but fine. I've seen one where it was like three firsts, a second, and Bradley Chubb. That gives me more of a moment of pause. Uh, or a Justin Simmons, that would give me – because now you're talking about actually fundamentally weakening another area. It's interesting you say your perception is there's more smoke because my perception actually being here locally is it seems that it's cooled off, that it, people are leaning more toward it not happening.
2: I don't, I, I feel like it's, it's something that could happen, but I don't think it's probable. Um, it would be good for guys like Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and, um, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon you know all those guys but I mean what you just lost your tackle again to a torn Achilles and yeah so I mean but we have a pretty good line yeah I mean you're making strides there and I I, I think there's definitely he he, he's going to make any team he goes to better that's for sure but He's kind of at a I D G A F I-D-G-A-F portion of his career. Yeah. And so he doesn't need the money for all intents and purposes. He's completely cut out his family. So to think he wouldn't do that to the Packers is like, you know, like the dude just well, – he, he does what he wants, how he wants, when he wants now. And So, so
3: what's a scarier proposition, though, is – you know, we've seen him express interest in Jeopardy and some of these other things. Talk about he'd feel fine walking away. What if you give up three first round picks and some pieces? He comes, doesn't really have a great first season, decides to retire. Then you mortgage a, you know, a lot of people are talking about you're mortgaging a ton, but you have four or five years of Aaron Rodgers. That potentially is appealing. One year of Aaron Rodgers after giving away three first round picks and and one of your defensive stars would be less appealing.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna be oh. honest with you, John. I don't know what that means, but maybe I'm the only one. Alan, I, I guess that means Alan not
3: Dershowitz. A, that's it, not good. Is one of the guys that was on OJ's defense team. is what he's saying. Yeah, uh, sure. So, so not. Good I think Dershowitz. that's more of a Deshaun Watson might actually find a way the to be. Love does not. I take it the other way. way. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Also. I mean-
3: if you're hiring that kind of attorney, it sort of makes me think that you you have a problem that requires yeah, that why, kind of attorney. Yeah,
1: I said this, this may not, that may not, not be a good thing. Right?
2: Because like, I mean, it's
1: maybe a good thing for Watson and that he's getting, I guess, even better attorneys. But I feel like if you're hiring him, that may mean things have taken an even worse turn in your case. Would, would be you imagine
3: guess. being a Houston Texan fan and spending 16 games watching Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills?
1: I mean, I don't think Tyrod Taylor... You know, he's a... I hear Andy Dalton's a very slightly, slightly below average quarterback, Tyrod <laughs> Taylor.
3: The NFL Network said this morning the Bears are really trying to shop Nick Foles. Like, the ship sails on that, friends.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, but back to the Aaron Rodgers thing, I don't think he would retire after one year. I could be wrong. Nobody knows what's going on in Aaron. I don't think Aaron Rodgers knows what's going on in Aaron Rodgers' head sometimes. But I, I think if he were to get traded... He is you know we talk about how I don't want to, petty's not the right word, I think he's just arrogant enough that he would easily retire if he didn't get what he wanted, but I think we all believe that he's done enough in his career that he's a walk in hall of famer at least in my opinion, and so I feel like he in his mind is more than i guess not arrogant, happy enough to walk away from the game, but I also think that he is more been happy enough that if he were to get traded to a team like Denver, which it seems like he wants to go to, I, I do think that some of the news because I don't remember who saw. I was trying to look for it while you guys were talking. There was a tweet that I saw this morning that said that there there's more and more new more and more talk that the Aaron Rodgers to Denver thing could happen. That's why I brought up that there was more smoke toward it. I know. I except wonder,
3: for the local. Beat writers here who have had the best inside information yeah. say that, that Broncos front office not even talking to Green. So that's
1: what that's what I was going to say. I wonder what if that's Rodgers.
3: A moment, yeah. Well, let me also say, if he ends up going to the Raiders, I may have to take a couple of weeks off, or <laughs> we need to start a swear jar.
1: <laughs> hey, I mean, I would love it either way. Like I said, I would love Aaron Rodgers in the same division <laughs> as Justin Herbert, to and
3: actually you, that. I would hate it for you, but.
1: You know, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes twice a year like that'd be that's awesome. I
3: don't know why Aaron Rodgers would want to go to the Raiders, who arguably have a worse wide receiver situation.
1: Because you know what. Because John Gruden's not afraid to throw a couple first round picks at wide receivers, whether they suck or not. They, won't have, it.
3: they won't have any first round picks. Well, that's true. But you know before. what? They'll stay
1: he'll still take him in the second or the third. He won't wait till the sixth round every year to try and grab a wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers. So before we move on from him, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Uh I'll start with you, Dennis. Do you because I, I did read a lot of stuff over the weekend, and I do, again, I think this a lot of this is coming from Aaron Rodgers' side with some of the things that were – and some of it is very believable with the way the things that were said, that Rodgers is not happy with uh, – I think it's Gunkus is how you say his name – because he hasn't done much to help draft around Aaron Rodgers. Do you – in your opinion, do you have – does he have merit in that? Because I've seen a lot of people say, hey, deal with it, but I think it's – Fair to say we've seen a lot of these guys you know the the high-end quarterbacks the franchise quarterbacks quote-unquote franchise quarterbacks and Aaron Rodgers in my opinion is one we've seen whether the front offices listen to them or not at least go to them and get their opinion on some of these players think like, that's kind of why we saw some of the falling out with Russell Wilson this past year Deshaun Watson that's in my opinion what led obviously before all this other stuff led to that was him saying hey like you guys said you were going to come to me and talk to me and you didn't I feel like Aaron Rodgers at least deserved those conversations and he never got them. So do you think he's valid in his opinion of thinking Gunkoos has not done enough to help him?
2: Well, I, I think he's, it's valid that the GM has not kept him informed and in the loop to a probably inappropriate extent. I, I do think that at some point it, you know, You have to say, look, I'm in charge. I'm going to draft the players I think this team needs, not just the players you want. But if you're communicating, you know, Rogers makes players better. So if you're giving him solid offensive linemen, if you're building up the defense and you've got Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, and while everybody bagged on him, Jamal Williams was, you know, a nice asset, and then you've, you're giving him some lottery ticket tickets for the wide receiver too, because you're building the other areas. You know, is that a is that the best strategy? I don't know. Clearly, it's it's irked Aaron Rodgers that uh, you know. I think Rodgers is more upset about not being part of the process than he is about whether or not they've drafted a first round wide receiver. If if I were to speculate.
3: But also there's there's a a report out there that they came to him and asked him to restructure and take a pay cut. If he was our and, you know knowing you'd have to be pretty dumb not to have realized he was upset last year. He was pretty classy after the draft but that that had to have been a little bit of a woe moment. We draft a quarterback and then another running back and then a fullback, you know, with our first three picks that had to have been a little bit of a whoa moment. And then he he was visibly very upset with the way their season ended and the seeming, I don't know how you would characterize it as anything other than a lack of faith in giving him at least a shot to try to win the game. That was... That was one of the bigger coaching blunders. And just listening to him talking about – I think I was the first one in our group chat to say, are you listening to Roger's press conference? Are you seeing some of these clips? He sounds like a dude who's about to tell you he's walking away. He sounded more like he was going to retire than Drew Brees. And we knew Drew Brees was going to retire. And then if they really came to him and they're like, hey, we we need you to take a pay cut because we have other things we're going to want to do. After seeing years of his friends and offensive weapons, you know, for years you talk about Aaron Rodgers won't use the tight end. They hit Jimmy Graham. He starts throwing it to Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham has a great season. They let him go to the Bears. You know, Cobb, they let him go. They let Nelson go. Those weren't always terrible decisions because you look at what the guys produced produce, where they went other places. Cobb, I would argue, was maybe a mistake because he looked good in Dallas. He looked pretty yeah. good again in a terrible situation in Houston. I think it's been years of pent-up frustration, but I would wager that it is pretty accurate that he's at odds with that GM. I don't think he necessarily loves his coach either.
2: Yeah, I think the the coaching philosophy is something that's got him put off. And then you add it into it the the GM not communicating probably as well as Rodgers would like. The coach made a couple... Dunderheaded plays, couple couple bad calls, I think. Um to to put it nicely, I'm afraid of getting a swear
3: jar put out here, so I gotta yeah. tone it down. But I mean if they're if he's calling their GM Jerry Krauss, that pretty well tells you. I mean, that was Michael Jordan walked away a second time because of how pissed off he was at that situation. That sort of would give you an inkling into the mindset. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we all got to watch The Last Dance last summer because there was literally nothing else on. Uh, that would kind of give you the mindset of where Aaron Rodgers is right now. Was that good? Oh my God, it it's was incredible.
1: It was, it was amazing. Yeah, I have to watch it someday.
3: 10 hours, 10 hours of tears from me. Also from yeah, Lindsay I because I was neighbor. watching it.
1: I don't, I don't know that I cried. Some of the stuff with his dad, I think, got me, but it, no, it was really enjoyable. I, I really liked it. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about who got helped or hurt by the NFL draft. Here, we obviously gave our kind of quick reactions last week. We did a rookie mock draft to give you guys where we thought these players landed. But every year after the draft happens, we see rookies go to some places. Maybe that's good for them. Maybe it's not. Sometimes it helps the NFL veterans. Sometimes it doesn't. Starting with the running back position, the big one everybody is talking about. Obviously, James Robinson and Travis Etienne. As Dennis mentioned earlier. Urban Meyer came out and quote-unquote said he's going to be a great 3rd down back for us. So, Dennis, who does this help or hurt more, James Robinson or Travis Etienne?
2: Well, clearly it hurts Robinson because he got a huge share of both the running and the passing game last season. I, I feel like Etienne is explosive enough that they're not just going to use him On passing downs, they're going to run the ball with him. It's going to probably be, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being close to a 50-50 split. Just kind of because that's sort of what's in vogue now. I mean, if you don't have one of the top three, maybe four running backs, there's a significant split in snaps and touches in the backfield. It's just the way the game is. You accept it. That's how it's going to be. The the old school 350, 375 carry back is pretty much extinct. So Robinson's going to be hurt. To what extent? I don't know. I think if Robinson comes out and it looks like a plotter, three and a half yards of carry, you know, not being super productive, uh, you'll see carries start to head towards ETN. I think if you see ETN missing holes and you know not looking like he's ready for the inside run game in the NFL then I think you'll see ETN doing more perimeter stuff exclusively doing some more pass catching but Robinson is a serviceable pass catcher he's he's no Jordan Howard out there so it hurts both of them from the standpoint of Robinson's not going to get the touches he did last year and ETN isn't stepping into a situation like Najee Harris's he's stepping into a a shared backfield with a guy who rushed for over a thousand yards. And I forget how many passes uh, he caught last year, but uh, it it was a decent amount.
3: Yeah. I mean, they, they end up in the dreaded committee. I, I think a, a concern that you might have is, that it ends up looking a little bit like the second half of Baltimore's season with Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. And then, of course, you still have the lurker, Carlos Hyde, who always seems to find his way onto the field. He's somebody Urban Meyer has history with and somebody that he consistently mentions when they're talking about their running back room. So it's It's definitely a bummer for Robinson. I'm like, Dennis, I don't believe Etienne stays a third down back. That seems like a waste of a pick. Maybe that's how it starts out. Um, But, you know, camp, preseason, all of that is really going to, you know, speak to the split too.
1: Who ends up with uh, more fantasy points at the end of the year for you guys, Etienne or Robinson? Just this year, not like future, just 2021.
2: Well, I think if you if you do the old PPR standard split, it's definitely Robinson's standard. I think he gets more touchdowns, and ETN probably in PPR because of the passing game. Um, but if they do, if they go into a more of a rotation, a, a drive rotation, well, this guy gets two, then this guy gets two, um, you know, one one, two two, things like that. It could end up being uh, a little more evenly split. Uh, I, I think in, I, I feel like Robinson's touchdown production will keep him uh, close to ETN, but I feel like they're both low-end RB2s. Yeah, I nice.
3: feel similar. I, I think uh, Robinson ends up with slightly more points probably because of touchdowns.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I think it's going to be Robinson. I, I I think ETN is going to end up being more like Javante Williams this year. And in fact, I think they're just going to kind of stick with Robinson for the most part, and then maybe ETN gets a little bit more work as the year goes on. And next year is really kind of ETN's year, though. I, I am lower on ETN than a lot of other people are. Uh, I don't know that that offensive scheme, at least the way that Bevel usually runs his offense, fits ETN's skill set that well. So, so I, to I'm Dennis, this point.
3: Robinson saw sixty targets, caught forty-nine last year. Yeah, so it, you know,
2: obviously probably he's probably looking at twenty-five catches this year. Uh-huh.
1: I don't know how much more they're going to throw the ball to the running backs though, either this year. I I I think it's going to be a whole different. We've never seen that. And that's what benefited
3: Robinson so greatly last year. He was literally the only bright spot in an otherwise dim bulb. I mean, we saw as much as we may like captain jorts as a, as a sideline character, he was not incredibly accurate. Then you had Mike Lennon. And then I can't even bring myself to remember who the third option, Jake Luton, Luton, yeah, who everybody says is gonna, you know. And they had no running backs. Remember Robinson was a complete surprise because that was the running back room that COVID decimated to start the season. And Robinson, two hundred and forty carries. If their offense is a little bit better, maybe that benefits him a little bit. I, I still think he ends up slightly higher score, but it's I agree with you. I don't know how much more goes there.
1: All right. So let's see who's next up on the list. Oh, uh, Javante Williams. We're just mentioning him, him and Melvin Gordon. This one, I think seems a little bit more clear. It really seems kind of like what I just mentioned a minute ago. Melvin Gordon will likely be the guy for this last year. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, this is his last year under contract with the Broncos.
3: It is, and I and I can see you did not read what I submitted yesterday because you and I are diametrically opposed in our opinion about this.
1: Well, hey, look, don't get me wrong. I would love if Javante Williams takes over. I've loved Javante Williams for a long time, but I would not. I, for me, just looking at it now, glass half full for Melvin Gordon. I think he's got a shot to be the guy for at least re- this season, and then Javante getting work. But I don't know. I mean, I think he's a better running back. I've never been a Melvin Gordon guy, but tell me, tell me what you think.
3: Well, first of all, I think Melvin Gordon is a jag. Uh, we definitely saw that last year. He he didn't look good even. The only reason that he posted a lot of points at the end was because of pure volume, because he had a, a jag minus uh, behind him and Royce Freeman. Uh, out there so freeman freeman takes a big dive i think at the beginning of the season gordon will probably get a lion share of the carries but my feeling is by the end of the season it's reversed because gordon's not there's no way they're bringing him back i mean i think they looked at whether they were going to offload him this off season. so if you were rostering melvin gordon that that draft had to be a real knife in the heart and sadly now i am rostering melvin gordon somewhere because uh because this is the penance I have to pay. But you know, it looked like he was gonna get a chance to be a feature, letting Philip Lindsay go and signing Mike Boone, who they've said over and over is really gonna contribute on special teams, who had three hundred and seventy-nine yards rushing in four seasons with Minnesota, didn't didn't strike a lot of fear back there. But moving up to take Williams in the second. I think it's more of a backfield split like what they were talking about last year, and I think that Melvin Gordon ends up seeding time by the end of the season.
2: Yeah, I I think just given, you know, Gordon's going to be 28. um, Early on in his career, he was never terribly efficient. Now, volume is king in fantasy football, and so as long as he was getting the volume, he was able to be productive. If Williams is as good as most of us think he is, I, it is gonna it's gonna probably start out sixty five thirty five and then switch back the other direction sixty five thirty five. So, if, you know, if you're if you're roster and Gordon and he comes out of the the if you lose a couple games but he's hot, you might want to offload him for what you can get. Uh, I'm terrible about that sometimes, but I, I like Williams. Lindsay had 118 carries. I mean, Royce Freeman. For you can bag on him all you want. He
3: only had 35 carries last year.
0: I mean, and he's Jordan he was fine. He well. just
3: you, I know he, you just hate Royce. He, Freeman. he no, he just never has lived up to what you thought he might be when he was drafted. He's been outplayed by everyone else, and that's why I. If it was just Royce Freeman and Mike Boone competing behind Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon's a 1,200 yard probably. Output. I think he's upper tier running back too. As it stands, I think he might be lucky to get back to the 982 he put up last year. I I think he might be a better shot at 750 to 800, a low end RB two. Javante Williams, I think, will be strong down the stretch, but I think, like you said, it'll start out a little bit reversed and and take over as you're going through. I think they both Javante Williams probably is a high-end RB three. So,
2: do you think uh, Levante Bellamy will displace Royce Freeman as the RB
3: three, and he'll get shown no. the board? No, no. I think they'll keep Fre- Freeman's. Freeman's a decent backup. He is a pretty good pass blocker. I will say he's definitely a pretty good pass blocker, and a lot of times last year they put him in there to pass block, and that's why he got so many receptions because he was the guy that was out there in some of the passing situations. Um, so I, I think they'll probably end up keeping him, but at the end of this year, his contract is up, his rookie deals over and Gordon's contracts up. I don't see either of them coming back. And honestly, if I'm in dynasty, I might try to see if I can find somebody who still thinks Melvin Gordon's going to have a big year and offload him preseason because if he only has an okay year here, what are his prospects long-term next offseason? You're talking about a guy that's approaching 30 who didn't have exactly the world lighting on fire for him to, You know, last offseason. He, he was a real late signing to Denver and then didn't really make the huge splash here. I don't know what his long-term prospects really are. Not good. Not good.
1: Bob. Not good. Yeah. yeah. What? Um. So, do you are you expecting Javante Williams? You said to be an RB three this year with Melvin Gordon still being an RB two.
3: Yeah, I think Gordon ends up, you know, between twenty one and twenty four, and I think I I hedged and said I thought Javante could end up between twenty five and thirty. I have to go back and look. Uh, it's I know I I just turned this in. i will probably go live sometime this week on Campus to Canton.
1: Uh, Dennis, do you agree with that, or would you have Melvin Gordon higher, lower? Uh, I think that's an
2: appropriate placement for them. I think part of their challenge is going to be too what happens at quarterback. Yeah. So if they if you know if they're not able to put up some points and get some leads, that's going to diminish the number of touches available as well. Um, you know, it's put up or shut up time for
3: Drew Lock. Uh, there's a lot of mouths. To feed there. That's why I'm not sure that there's going to be a ton of targets to running backs, you know, because you have so many receivers that can play in the short field. You have long receivers, you have all those tight ends that they're trying to rotate in.
1: Yeah, I, I should think both of them could be a little bit lower. I, I think Melvin Gordon might be closer to twenty-four than he is to twenty-one and Javante a little bit lower than that. I wouldn't be surprised if they are still fairly close together. And we've seen the past couple of years Denver's willingness to give Philip Lindsay the ball. As much as I love Philip Lindsay, I think Javante Williams, just based on his size alone, is gonna be better than Philip Lindsay. So
3: Williams hopefully will be what we Thought Royce Freeman could be because when Freeman yeah. was drafted, I, I was excited. I took a lot of rookie shares.
1: That's probably why I'm everybody more was. Now. there was not many people. It, it I remember. seemed
3: like that There's, was going to be a great fit, and it just yeah. never came together. Well,
1: that's the thing. There's a lot of people now who say they did not like Royce Freeman. I don't remember anybody saying that. Yeah, I was thrilled about it. I liked, Royce. I liked Royce. So did I. I think everybody it's did. I, I don't remember a single person not liking Royce Freeman.
3: It just this is the other thing that I think ends up wearing on Gordon. We saw it last year. I know you guys really appreciate it every time I post in the chat. Melvin Gordon has a little bit of trouble holding on to the ball in crucial situations and has a little bit of trouble making dumb moves in crucial situations. I think that's what wore what on – I mean, he fumbled in the red zone like three times last year. You just – you can't do that. Well, I mean,
2: Denver only – Through to the running backs. The running backs only had 58 targets as a team last year. So, yeah, they don't don't do that a ton.
3: So, no, might if Teddy Tugeloves ends up being in there. (laughs) In which case, I'm just you probably have to put me on mute on Sundays.
1: All right. So, the next running back situation both of these next two have multiple running backs in the mix here we'll go with to, the, with to the New York Jets who took Michael Carter in the 4th round. You've also got Tevin Coleman who they brought over from the old 49ers regime with uh Salah and um, Mike LaFleur, right? I was mixing. yeah, Mike I think I always think it's Matt. Matt LaFleur is the head Mike coach.
3: LaFleur. Mike is the
1: album. uh and then obviously LaMichael Ryan, who Douglas drafted last year. I, I just I I think these all three of these guys are going to be very close. I like I think Michael Carter's probably the better back out of the other two, but I just don't think he has the size to be a three down back. I I think I would honestly hedge my bet to say I don't think any of these guys finish as an RB two. I think all three are gonna be RB threes or lower, with probably Carter being the highest. Because, because I don't I believe you didn't
3: Panic draft Michael Carter in the first round of any of
1: the I did take him in a draft today, actually. In a Debbie depleted draft, he was like the second best running back on the board because Najee, Travis, Etienne, and someone else were already owned. And so who went first? I think Trey Sermon went first and now picked mm. him at one ten. But again, it was depleted. Like Jamar Chase, there's a lot of players already gone. It's a debut yeah. draft. A lot of these guys were already gone. So I I do hate myself because in that draft, I, was, I had two picks in the first round. And it's a super flex league. And so I have Herbert and Josh Allen. And Mac Jones was there at three. And I was like, oh, man, quarterback. Kyle Pitts was there too. And I was like, what should I do? And I went Mac Jones and I don't feel great about it. I was really hoping that Pitts would fall to me. It was one seven was the other one I'm looking at. it. I, I was hoping Pitts might fall to one seven. It didn't happen. And I've been dreading picking Mac Jones at one three since I did it. I've, I've not been happy with myself. But anyways, that's the size of the points, neither here nor there. Uh, I think Michael Carter ends up being the best one out of that group just because of his pass-catching ability. You know, Maybe P. Ryan is better than we thought. We haven't seen a whole lot for him, unfortunately, so I yeah. don't know what to expect. And Tevin Coleman, I think, is a decent back, but dude can't stay healthy. So I'm going to say none of those guys finishes as an RB2. It doesn't help any of them. Uh, and I think Carter ends up finishing as the highest of the three. Dennis, how do you view this backfield?
2: Well, I think you have to, you know, you're missing Ty Johnson uh, who performed fairly well there last year uh, when given the shot. So I'm starting to make distinctions in backfields. This backfield is a committee. Jacksonville isn't a committee. It's a pair. I think when there's clearly two backs, that's different than Jacksonville or um, New York. That's different than San Francisco you know when, when you have, and I'm I'm starting to dig in to figure out like where is the snap and touch percentage to determine whether it's an actual pairing versus a full blown committee of three or four guys. Like it looks like Philadelphia seems to be heading for a committee as opposed to a pairing. Um, I, I think it's I think P Ryan's the guy this year. I don't hate michael carter i think he's a good back it wouldn't surprise me if it ends up being carter and p ryan with the lion's share of the touches it wouldn't surprise me if it ends up being carter and p ryan and and johnson kind of with nobody maxing out above 35 percent uh and uh, coleman is kind of there to show him the ropes of what that offense is. You know, Carter's BMI is the same as Najee Harris. So he may be short, but he's not little. So that's definitely something to take a look at. I don't think he's going to, you know, he isn't going to pound it like Najee Harris is, but he's certainly got enough bulk to be able to run inside. And if the blocking scheme is there, uh, I I think – Carter ends up being good in that. I mean, for the most part, a lot of people who know more about offensive line than I do feel like uh, Carter kind of landed with the team that runs the scheme that fits his skill set. So, I mean, Nadja, not not Magic Javante Williams caught more passes than Michael Carter last year in at North Carolina. Uh, and oddly enough, Carter ran for more yards than Williams, um, not by a lot, but technically more yards. It was Williams in the 19 touchdowns that kind of led the way there. Uh, I, I like. I think if you get Carter and P Ryan, you're looking at a you know a flex worthy running back most weeks. Uh, you know, especially in deeper leagues, and then eventually I think it'll settle down to the two of them. Uh, as long as they stay healthy.
3: I'm not ready to give up on Tevin Coleman uh, like you are. I also not a Ty Johnson believer like you are. So I guess we're a little uh, a little opposite. I tend to feel like I, I think that's age. a little strong to call me a Ty Johnson believer. You remembered he was on the team. So, I'm going to call you. A, I'm going to call you a believer. Uh, from the, you believe he will be involved on the team. I I tended to think that uh, the draft. You know, I thought Carter fell in a good spot. I was very excited about the landing spot. Um, I actually have taken Carter in a draft, so now I'm also hoping that he definitely uh, produces, but. I was tending to feel like Carter and Coleman are going to end up being the highest scores. I'm I'm a little bit like Matt. I don't think any of them gets back to RB two. I think Carter ends up the highest, and I think Pirine is the one that that took the biggest hit um, with this drafting because he may have been taken by the GM, but he wasn't part of the decisions made by this coaching staff, which targeted Michael Carter in a good spot in drafts, you know, you would say top of the fourth round wasn't that early running backs didn't go in this draft. He was still the fifth running back off the board. That was still a pretty uh, decent commitment to a running back for this draft in this class. They went out and got Coleman who he had in San Francisco. Coleman wasn't really injured last year so much as it seemed like he kind of played himself or they just didn't, see that him as being a good fit in that rotation. But he had done pretty well the year prior. He had had some big games. I mean, we've talked about it before. He had one game where they were talking about him in the same breath as Jerry Rice because of all the touchdowns he put up. So I think they made that move strategically, not only because he knows the system, but because they think he still has a little something left and might be a, a little bit of a boon to a rookie quarterback in an otherwise younger offense.
1: Yeah, I'll say the one thing on the the drafting thing is I think the NFL just showed us that this running back class was a lot weaker than maybe we thought it was coming in. We we liked you know, Michael Carter, Kenneth Gainwell, me personally, Trey Sermon, and Jamar Jefferson as well, and I I feel like the NFL told me I don't know what I'm talking about. That's the way I viewed the running back class now after the way they drafted everybody. We're
3: just seeing – the drafting reality of what we've seen, the way they've treated that position the last few years, that running back's a little bit of a more fungible position. There are very few teams that are investing, and there are very few players that they have decided are worth that investment.
1: Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, Travis Etienne and Najee, I think for most people, have these those two is near the top or the top two. Uh, in this class and there's they weren't even in the top four for most last year. So I think that just kind of speaks to again. I I think just how maybe they viewed this this running back class. But last I just mentioned Trey Sermon goes to San Francisco. A lot of people were excited about this, mostly I think due to Kyle Shanahan and the way he runs his offense, the way he makes running backs look. But he is sharing the backfield with Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, and as I believe Dennis just added here, Elijah Mitchell, who they took no, in the you did sixth in the rounds. sixth round. Okay. Just because
3: some people have been out there like Elijah Mitchell. Well, because of his
1: pro pro day, I I think everybody got all excited (laughs) for him. Uh, For me, I think this does more for – I think it helps Mostert at least while he's healthy and hurts Jeff Wilson. I think we saw Wilson – not think. We saw Wilson have a really good second half of the season, especially when he was just the guy. But Trey Sermon gives them something completely different than everybody else in this backfield gives them. And that's a power runner between the tackles. He's a little bit shiftier than he gets credit for. You know, I think had he not gotten hurt in that national championship game, Ohio State probably still loses, uh, but they don't get blown out as bad. Not having Trey Sermon there, I do think hurt them and, and. Ohio State not having a full season, I think, hurt Trey Sermon. We never really got a chance to see him shine the way I think he could have. I think he's a much better back than he gets credit for, but I still think Raheem Mostert's going to be the lead back. Uh, Matt, do you agree with that, and how do you see this falling out fantasy-wise between these four guys?
3: Man, if if you – I spent a lot of this offseason feeling better about my Raheem Mostert shares, you know, because if you recall, I was really – pumped about his potential last off season. And then I think it was Bob with the consistency guide talking about, you know, he was a very consistent player made me feel even better about that. Then I sneakily grabbed some Jeff Wilson shares where I could, because I thought, Hey, 49ers finally clarifying that backfield. They let Tevin Coleman move on. They got rid of Jarek McKinnon. We have these two guys ready to go. Second, two days of the draft are like, okay, well, uh, I don't think the Forty ers are happy unless they're in a committee. Dennis talks about the the teams where there's two guys in there that, that or the team where they're a committee. The 49ers feel like, yeah, you know, and I should have known because having grown up with Mike Shanahan as our coach, he was the master of every year drafting running backs in the fifth. So, I mean Trell Davis was Orlando Gary. Orlandis Gary round pick. Mike Anderson Ruining was round pick. I don't even know if Ruben Drones was drafted. They found him on the scrap pile. So to me, actually, the fact that they went up and they traded up to get Trey Sermon in the third round gives me a moment of pause. I think uh, that you're you're right. Jeff Wilson probably takes the biggest hit. I don't think it's great for Mostert either, who kind of whined a little bit last offseason talked about holding out, they gave him a new contract and he didn't entirely live up to, you know, those expectations last year. But would it surprise any of us if all four of these guys are involved during the season and all four of them have games where they, where they explode? That feels like that's been the 49ers and that's before even considering, I think they still have to Hasty somewhere on their uh, roster that if I had to, that money on one finishing the highest, I feel like I'm leaning towards Trey Sermon just because going up and, and drafting and getting him and and the fact that Mostert can't really seem to, to stay on the field. Um, but this is another group where there's going to be some strong individual games. There are going to be some pieces that are worth flexing for each week, but I don't know if any single back gets back to running back two scoring level? I think the uh,
2: when you have to give a lot of merit to the fact that um, they went up and got Sermon. That does matter. They also went out and signed Wayne Gallman as well. Not to a big-time contract at all, but he's another piece. I in forgot there. about Wayne Gallman. <laughs> he's another piece in there. So if I'm going to call a shot on this backfield right now, I think Mostert gets cut. I think if Sermon looks good, I think Mostert gets cut. I think Jeff Wilson is comfortable. He's a comfortable piece back there. Uh, I think if it comes down to um, Mostert and Gallman, I think they're going to look at it and go, well, $458,000 in dead cap for Mostert. He's 28 years old. Uh, I'm not sure how old Gallman is, but he's only been in the the league like three years. Um, I, I feel like they 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 look at Mostert and say, well, he gets injured a lot. You know, that's probably a bigger concern with Sermon, I think, than just about anything else. Is you know, he got injured when he was at Oklahoma. He got injured at Ohio State. Uh, that's why why he didn't get on the field as quickly as he he should have. So it, it's it's a it's a crowded crowded backfield. I think Jeff Wilson is going to be there. Sermon's going to be there. Gallman's going to be there, and, and then, you know, like I said, I I think Mostert gets shown the door and probably ends up in Atlanta.
1: Hey, that would be something.
3: That would be interesting.
1: All right, let's not, move on to not the one Mike Davis
3: shares. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. But, of- I mean, I think. We've seen at this point in time, Mostert is is probably one of those guys you talk about is either going to be a tandem or a committee. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I'd rule out my Mike Davis shows. Probably more hurts the Javian Hawkins stash.
1: Yeah. yeah I wouldn't be too excited about Javian Hawkins to begin with. That's just me. You with shut uh, your mouth.
3: Let's, let's, fourth, that fourth round pick that's going to pay off to our fantasy goal.
1: Let's move on to the wide receivers where it may not be quite as easy to say this person is going to be, you know, helped or hurt because we've seen some wide receivers can work well in tandem. And I do think that works well for the first pair we've got here in Devonta Smith and Jalen Rager. I, I think Rager, the way he was drafted last year, everybody expected him to be a one. I don't think... I've liked Rager. He was my wide receiver, too, coming out of that class, but I do think it helps him having a guy like Devonta Smith there. Obviously, a lot of people still have questions about Jalen Hurts at quarterback. Dennis, how do you see these two wide receivers panning out? Who has the better fantasy finish?
2: Uh, I'm kind of getting in on Devonta Smith. I feel like he's going to be the one. I, I get it. He's you know weighs 47 pounds. But there's some dog in him, and he he's a really good route runner. I think it wouldn't surprise me if three years from now, Smith is the best of the four first-round wide receivers from these last two years. Uh, I, and I, it wouldn't surprise me if he, it's comfortably Smith being the first or the best of these four first-round wide receivers. Uh, I like Rager. I think they're going to be actually – I'm kind of stoked for them as a, a pair. I, I think they can really set up and do some damage. I'm probably more concerned that their quarterback needs to take a, a Josh Allen type leap over the next couple years uh, to make them relevant on a consistent basis. Uh, you, you know, I'm not. I've not been in on Jalen Hurts as a quarterback prospect. And I think the way the uh, Eagles moved around, I, I think we know they're not necessarily as in as uh, Jalen Hurts would like them to be on his quarterback prospects either. Um, I, I I'm going to give the edge to Smith, but I think it's like a wide receiver two, mid mid range wide receiver two to low end wide receiver three. For Rager Smith, so you know, somewhere in that range between the two, uh, if they if the two of them stay healthy, I think they can be a very very dynamic pair, though.
3: Yeah, I like uh, I like the spot. Um, I'm also you know with you saying they're not sold on on Jalen Hurts. I didn't realize you were a Jamie Newman truther, um, but it's good to. Or do you just believe in Flacco? He's got one more in him. What a what a quarterback room that's going to be! I wish we yeah. could go watch watch some of the meetings, but I think for me it comes down to, to three things for Eagles wide receivers: Hurts, as in Jalen Hurts; Hurts, as in Zach Hurts. What are they going to do with him? And Hurts, as in, can either of these guys stay on the field? Um, because that seems to be kind of the 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 big concerns, you know, injury concerns. Rager missed time a lot last year. I think that's part of what, what set him behind. Let's face it in the wide receiver group there. They don't have a ton of competition. Both these guys should easily rise to the top of that pack. We've seen Philadelphia use two tight ends and, and use the tight ends as their primary pass catchers. They still have Goddard. They still have Ertz. We've all expected he was going to move on at some point, the longer that that doesn't happen, the next marker will kind of be, were they waiting for June 1st where maybe it's a little bit of a better cap deal? But the longer he stays, if he's still with the team, it's hard to imagine him not being a factor in the passing game that that pulls down targets and opportunities from everyone else. And the development of Jalen Hurts, that's, that's the biggest question. How is he going to fit into Nick his offense? As we referenced a few minutes ago, it sounds like they have seventy-five running backs that they're planning to rotate in there. Several of whom they talked about as being pass catchers. Is that you know more targets that gets pulled away? So I like Devonta Smith. I think he probably finishes higher than Rager. I think the ceiling for both of them could potentially be capped by all those other factors on their team.
1: Yeah, I think Hertz is gonna be the biggest thing for both of them. I mean, I agree, having I d I don't know if Hertz will be there, but obviously Goddard, if he stays healthy, I think is a very good tight end. So that could factor into both of them. It's gonna be very intriguing because I, I like Rager a lot, but I I'm with Dennis. Like the more I've seen Devonta Smith fall and and I've liked him, he's been my one A. Like I just I really think that he could complement Hurts' game really well. So I I'm Really interested to see how those two guys work. Because I do think having a guy like Devonta Smith on the other side, who I think NFL circles respect a lot more than maybe fantasy people do for the most part, uh, that could help out Rager a lot. And he's still got a lot of speed. And if he ends up working in the slot a little bit, he could have a very dangerous season. I didn't hear. Did you guys say who you think has the better better season? I'm sorry. We're under a tornado Devon- watch again here. Oh. Texas has been freaking crazy the past. Dev- I think Devonta Smith finishes higher. Uh-
2: Dennis – I think it's going to be Hakeem
1: Butler. That's my guy. I like it. I don't know how I missed that. I must say, you know, is this uh, the tornado sirens threw me, throwing me off. I love this. No, no, no.
3: Stay
0: w- with it. Stay with it. I like
3: run, it. Run the wishbone, throw three tight ends out there, have three backs in the backfield. They aren't even going to worry about the fact they have no tackles.
2: Yeah. I, well, I, I think between the two of them, it's going to be Smith. But I don't, I'm not discounting at all a Darren Waller type ascension over the next couple of years for Hakeem Butler. Uh, I feel like there, there are a lot of people who want to kind of take a, any big wide receiver that's kind of slow and say, oh, we can make him a tight end like Waller. What everybody forgets is that Waller ran a 4-4-6. Four, four, and I think Butler ran somewhere right around there as well. So if Butler can put on the weight, keep that 4-5 or five speed, he can be that kind of weapon like Darren Waller is, like Kyle Pitts is, I mean, it's, you know, you you don't want to say, and until they do it, you can't really, you know, you probably shouldn't say that's quite the association. But it took Waller some time to make the adjustment, uh, a lot of it due to his off-field stuff. Uh, But I I could see um, Butler moving up there. But I like I, I'm I'm liking Smith more and more. If I'm not in a position where I can take Jamar Chase, uh, Smith is one of the guys I like to target.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I and I think Smith has the better season, so I'm gonna ask you guys because I'm selfish and I'm I'm debating something right now. So I'm sitting at 1.6. Me and Matt were just talking about this draft um, uh, before we went on air, and so I wanted Kyle Pitts. He went before he went to the pick before me, so. I'm sitting here at one six i can take Devonta Smith or i have an offer to drop from one six to two five and pick up a 2022 first and i'm debating on doing because i'm actually set at wide receiver i've got a very good wide receiver group on this team I need a running back but the top three have gone so i it's only I feel someone like on this
3: to- podcast that told us the 2022 class was not
1: very it's good It's actually very good it, well, i think it's gonna be better than what it is you listen you to sp- no no once <laughs> You listened to the podcast with me and Ray. We talked I about this. I know, but
3: this. I also spent the last
1: year with know, you. You talked about fading it. It's better than okay, but so but listen to this though. I mean, granted, yes, I I don't draft for need, right? You always draft for best players, but T. Higgins, DeAndre Hopkins, Terry McLaurin, Michael Pittman, Curtis Samuel, Preston Williams, Odell Beckham Jr., Devonte Adams—that's my wide receiver core. I can only start four. I don't really need another wide receiver. So, but like, but I feel like a a good part of, right?
2: what you need a running back, right?
1: I do, but I don't want to reach for it's a reach for Sermon and Carter here, right? At one but six. Who, who's
2: gonna get you the best hey, running uh, back? One uh, of those other I, wide receivers, those veterans. I don't really
1: want to trade any of them, and the, people hoard running backs in this league. Like, the only reason I have two good running backs right now is because I blew up my team the year prior to get two top end picks so that I could draft Jonathan Taylor and, and DeAndre Swift so
2: well i mean uh, if you trade one of those trade deandre hopkins you know he's pushing 30. go out and get you get yourself a you know running back in the 12 to 18 range
3: i actually did draft michael carter at 106 because i did you, the same I problem just, i look i I, I was in the same i had so many wide receivers that i have terry mclaren on my bench because i don't have a place for to to start him and i was like but I still have to start two running backs, and I wasn't sure well, I wanted to start JD McKissick for the I'm rest of my really life. I am
1: really hoping I can convince, although the message I just got feels like that's not going to happen. I was really hoping I could convince the guy. There's a guy who has 110 and 112. I was hoping he could come, he, I could convince him to come up and take the pick because he's wanting and still get the first back. He's offering the same deal, but instead of a 2022 first, he's giving me a 2022 second. So. And I don't like that deal as much. I you should just we'll you should just take
3: Devonta Smith. I I did I so I've done both I ways because I I feel like I I can speak from experience because I've landed in this six seven slot in uh, several of the drafts I've started and it yeah. is really a lot more depressing than you think it's going to be because you see those three running backs go and it's like running backs not great but I also have a lukewarm feeling in my heart for some of the receivers and I've done it both ways. It's six. I've taken Devonta Smith because that's the value. And of this last one, I, I took Michael Carter. And let me tell you, I've spent all day thinking about that and how sad that was. So you should just yeah, take, well, Devonta Smith I won't and feel then try bad about trade.
1: taking, I won't feel bad about taking Smith. I do think he's going to be really good. And then I also think if Jalen hurts, doesn't prove he's the quarterback this year, they're going to get a quarterback next year. And I think there's yeah. at least a couple of good quarterbacks next year. I'm not, I don't love them as much as I loved, you know, Fields, Lawrence, and Trey Lance, but I think there's at least two that are going to be good next year. So, uh, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins are now all on the same team. I know, still doesn't make sense to me either why they didn't take Sewell. I'm still confused by that, but whatever. I guess they think they're going to recreate the uh, LSU offense without Joe Brady, without an offensive line, without a Justin Jefferson. So well, they we-
3: did. They did. They did bring up that they, I can't remember. They signed somebody who was a right tackle. Riley Jonah- reef,
1: Riley reef. Oh, who yeah, I don't. Yeah, exactly. And Jonah, yeah. Jonah that Williams was my reaction is as well. coming back yeah. at left tackle. When they're like, and yeah, I mean, right. We signed Riley reef. I'm like, that's so that that's your answer. Yeah, that's yeah. not great. Bob, not Although, great.
3: as somebody who, uh, who is on a team that now might consider Riley reef a massive upgrade. I'm not one to talk.
1: Yeah. So anyways, all three of those guys, what I mean, we've seen, uh, Tyler Boyd has been, I think, one of those very underrated wide receiver guys. Um, seems to finish as a wide receiver, two every single year. T. Higgins had a massive breakout last year with guys like Ryan Finley. And who else did he have thrown in the ball? There was somebody else. I can't remember now off the top of my uh, head. Brandon Allen. Uh, Yeah, Brandon Allen, so T. Higgins looked really good. Obviously, even Joe Burrow back should help him. We know the connection, though, that Jamar Chase had with Joe Burrow last year. Matt, who do you think ends up finishing as the highest wide receiver out of the three?
3: I still think T. Higgins ends up finishing as the highest wide receiver. I still hold out hope for all three because I think Cincinnati is still not an incredible team, so they're going to still be throwing. And we had three receivers for the Bengals have 100-plus targets last year, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. They let one of those 100-target receivers go to Arizona. Um, I, I've i thought all along that the one that ends up uh, being hurt the most ends up being Wade because I just like Higgins, and I think he has the connection to Chase.
2: Yeah, I, I have them ranked. Uh, unfortunately, none of them ranked really high. I have Chase ranked the highest um, because I do feel like there's going to be a little bit of comfort there. Uh, But that's only at 21. Uh, I have Chase at 21, Higgins at 32, and Boyd at 38. And while there's some fluidity in there, I do feel like they're all going to finish within about a 15 range of each other if they all stay healthy. and. I, I, I'm not as down on their offensive line as Matt is. You know, they, they signed some veterans. Uh, they signed Quentin Spain. Uh, they drafted Jackson Carmen, who they're going to move from tackle to guard. You know, Reef knows how to play tackle. Whether or not he can consistently execute it at this stage of his career is uh, another thing. But Reef isn't a terrible Terrible tackle. Um, I think they had Jay, uh, Jay Leno, uh, Charles Leno, uh, in for a visit. Um,
3: they might have brought Jay Leno in too. I mean,
2: they're <laughs> yeah, really casting right. a wide net. <laughs> um, but he, you know, you're right. They got Jonah Williams back. They got their center Trey Hopkins back. Uh, Billy Price has uh, turned out to be an awful, awful center and awful guard. Uh, that was that was a terrible pick. Um, So with the firepower they have, I think it's gonna open up some opportunities for the running game. Um, I think their tight ends are gonna be definitely much ado about nothing, but they're gonna have three wide receivers that are gonna range from low end or high end wide receiver twos, no low end wide, mid to low wide receiver two to high wide receiver four, low wide receiver three. So all three of their wide receivers are definitely going to be playable pretty much all year.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I do think obviously having the tight ends there could help if, especially if they do keep them in to just kind of block in line. I don't know. I've got to see it. I I, me and Matt talked about this. I think it was on a Thursday podcast. I was listening to Sirius XM radio. They had a, the Bengals. I think it was their play-by-player, their color analyst, on, and they were talking about the, you know, him talking with the front office and all this stuff. And and they are very bullish on their offensive line. Where he even said it. Uh, this was like two weeks before the draft, saying that he thought they were going to go Pitzer chase. That he did not think that they would take Sewell even if he fell to him because they felt that their offensive line was good enough to to keep Burrow upright, which. I I mean, I, I am sitting in a chair in Texas, so I don't know as much as they do, but I disagree with that statement. Uh, but I do have Chase the highest. I, I'm really torn between Boyd and Higgins. That's that's kind of who I, I'm not sure who comes in second because I kind of feel like Chase hurts Higgins more than he does Boyd. And so I'm really not sure which way to go there. Which way would you guys go, Boyd or, or uh, Higgins having the better season?
2: Well, I have Higgins at 32 and Boyd at 38, but here's one thing I do know about Joe Burrow. He throws to the open guy. Very true. So I I have Higgins Higgins being the highest of all
3: three.
1: Really? Yeah. All right. This one will be very interesting in uh Baltimore, considering they don't throw the ball much as it is. But uh Rashad Bateman, Hollywood Brown, and Mark Andrews. I, I do think that getting a guy like Rashad Bateman, they did get Tylen Wallace as well, but I think Bateman is is the better prospect overall than, than Tylen Wallace. I do think that could open up things for Hollywood down the field, having a guy like Bateman in the short area, which I do think affects Mark Andrews. Uh, Andrews, I still think, will be a very good tight end. But if I had to t- make my pick out of the three of these guys, and it is very hard because Baltimore, I think, was 30th in pass attempts last year or something like that. Like They, they just do not pass the ball a lot. Even lower, was it 32?
2: Uh, I think so.
1: Okay, I couldn't remember if it was 30 or 32, so I knew they weren't 31. But uh, I will uh, I will say that I think Bateman ends up having the better year out of the three of these guys, fantasy points-wise. I think, obviously, Mark Andrews is going to finish higher at his position uh, because tight end's kind of a crapshoot after a couple guys. But I think Bateman could end up with more fantasy points than the other two. Dennis, which way are you going with these three rec- receiving prosper- receiving options in Baltimore?
2: I, I'm going to stick with Mark Andrews being the one that leads them. But I, I think that um, Hollywood and, and uh, Bateman are both going to have some upside surprise. I, I feel like Baltimore has basically said, you know, we know what we have with Lamar now. And we know he's an efficient passer, he's an exceptional runner. And what we need to do is make sure that he has weapons. Uh, I think they put a little bit of money that, you know, they drafted Ben Cleveland in third. Uh, They brought in uh, Ali Villanueva, who's, you know, uh, headed towards the sunset. Um, But with Ronnie Stanley coming back, they signed Kevin Zeitler at guard. So I feel like we're looking at, A 480 pass attempt season from Lamar. And we know he's pretty efficient with it. So it's going to, he's going to keep doing what he knows. He's going to take deep shots with Hollywood. Uh, He's going to hit Andrews because he's comfortable with that. And I think Bateman is going to give them another option, which is going to help open up all of that. And that, in turn, is going to open up uh, the run game for Dobbins and uh, the Gus bus a little bit better as well. Uh, I would expect – it wouldn't surprise me a bit. See, Lamar had 159 rushing attempts last season, which led the team. It wouldn't surprise me for him to, you know, drop down to 125, 120 this season but have his pass attempts go up and team rush attempts stay
3: where they're at uh, because of Dobbins and Edwards. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to throw shade. What Lamar Jackson has done has been very effective. He's been a great fantasy asset, but I think we all think that this is a season where we need to see some growth as a passer. 480 pass attempts to me is a little ambitious. I mean, you're talking about 104 more pass attempts than he had in 15 games last year and 79 more pass attempts than he had in his MVP season in 2019. I don't know if he gets quite that high. I think they need to get a little bit better um, passing. They need to have to be a more two-dimensional or three-dimensional offense uh, if they want to go to the next level and if they want to compete. And we've seen in in their own division they're going to have to get into some track meets too, which you can't always do just running the ball all the time. I think Andrews, you know, he's – it feels like to me touchdowns are going to make or break where his scoring is. He, Even when he's been going well, it hasn't been exactly incredibly high volume. He's been very efficient in making points with what he's got. And I tend to think like you, Matt, that Rashad Bateman finishes as the highest fantasy scorer. Then I would probably have Andrews and then I have Brown. Brown got a hundred targets last year, which was great, but was only able to bring in fifty-eight of them. It feels like that kind of deep threat role. If they have more uh, established receivers, I don't. You know, for the purpose of this discussion, I agree. I don't think Tylen Wallace is up in there, but I think he can get some of those targets and things underneath that will just take away opportunities from hollywood brown which might put him a little bit in kind of a henry ruggs territory he could have a game where he catches three for 92 and two touchdowns and it's incredible or he could catch three for 15.
1: all right so the new york jets they had a kind of a massive transformation here this offseason bringing new head coaches a bunch of new players new franchise quarterback traded away the old franchise quarterback bringing zach wilson With the number two pick, they also drafted Elijah Moore in the second round. They got Denzel Mims last year. They brought Corey Davis over in free agency. They got Chris Herndon at tight end, Jamison Crowder as well. Out of these four guys here at the wide receiver position, not counting Chris Herndon, who do you guys think has the better year? For me, and I hate saying this, I think it's going to end up being Corey Davis I think they brought him over to be the alpha. I know a lot of people are really high on Denzel Mim and Elijah Moore. I still think if I'm going based on what I've seen from Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur, we're going to see more of a run-heavy offense, a bunch of play-action stuff, which should work in Zach Wilson's favor. Uh, And I think Corey Davis is going to be the guy with Denzel Mim second, Elijah Moore third. I I do think Elijah Moore is the best receiver on that team, but I'm a little – Concerned about him getting a lot of production early on. I will say I don't think Jamison Crowder is going to be on the team by the time the season kicks off. I like Crowder a lot, uh, but I just think he's going to kind of.
3: Well, they do have an easy off. out. It's a it's only a one million hit. Um, this was his kind of out year from that contract. And they did sign Keelan Cole too, and they have. Uh, I think they still have Dennis's man Braxton Berrios. So. They have some options. I, t- I tend to be like you. I think Corey Davis probably finishes as the highest fantasy score. Yeah, it's
2: it, it's a room rife with potential with more Mims, and Davis. Uh, and, and my only concern with Corey Davis is that a lot of times when a wide receiver changes teams, they struggle in their first year with that new team. Uh, unless you're a superstar, you know, like DeAndre Hopkins or something. I don't think Corey Davis musters that much cachet. And so going to New York, yes, he's the big free agent signing, but I don't think they're going to try to force feed him 130 targets. I think they they like what they have in Mims, um, and they drafted more, so they're high on him. They drafted him in the second round. So they, they like Elijah Moore a lot. Uh, I agree with Matt, though. I do think that uh, um, Crowder's gone. You know, for their fifth wide receiver, I think Cole settles in as the fourth, and then they got Barrios and Smith uh, and, and other pieces that they use. Jeff Smith, for their fifth, sixth wide receiver. So it comes down to what do you believe Zach Wilson's going to be able to accomplish in his first year? if lafleur runs his offense anything like shanahan does it's going to be a low passing volume offense this year while wilson learns what to do in that offense you know i I, people like to talk that garoppolo took the niners to the super bowl uh he did it in a year where they threw the 30th fewest passes in the nfl uh so they Garoppolo didn't take him to the Super Bowl. Garoppolo rode along with that defense and running game. Uh, and I think this season in New York is going to be much like that, that there's going to be an emphasis on the defense. There's going to be an emphasis on keeping games close, not making mistakes. I don't know if how much of that not make mistake mentality Wilson has in him. So that'll be definitely something interesting to watch. Um, but if I had to put my money on one of them, uh, it's, this year, it's either this year for Denzel Mims or it's not going to be a thing for Denzel Mims. And so I, I think I'll give Mims the edge, uh, but I think him and Davis are going to be pretty close to each other.
1: All right, last one for the night. Kyle Pitts goes to Atlanta at the fourth pick in the draft this year. That puts him in with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Hayden Hurst. Uh, Hayden Hurst's fifth-year option was not picked up. Yeah, yeah, I do think he's likely gone from Atlanta after this year. Uh, And there's a lot of rumors that Julio Jones might be traded. But assuming that Julio Jones is there in 2021, Matt, who do you think ends up being the best fantasy asset out of these three?
3: I will say I believe Julio does get traded post-June 1st. Um, But either way, I think Calvin Ridley ends up the highest score. Yeah, I I think
2: this is, you know, it went from Roddy to Julio. Now it's going to Calvin. I think Calvin's going to step in there. Um, My only concern about the thought that they trade Julio is they're going to – if they trade him – are they going to trade him for picks or are they going to trade him for players? Probably picks. It So then that puts Russell Gage, uh, Olomide Zekias, Christian Blake. That bumps them up to that number two receiver spot unless Frank they put Pitts. Yeah, yeah, they draft the Darby.
3: Or like I, I, what if Hurst plays more of a traditional tight end and Pitts, with his athleticism, gets swung into more of a kind of receiver role? I, I get that, but
2: Pitts, I, as good as Pitts is, I don't think he necessarily has an NFL wide receiver route tree yet. So the, it's going to be – I mean, they could, they could they put him in a DK Metcalf role? They could, but at a 4-5-5 five, five or 4-4-5, four, four, that's a lot different than a 4-3-4 four, four that Metcalf had. So yeah. there will be some – different challenges, he won't necessarily be able to run away from some of these
3: cornerbacks like
2: Metcalf does, just go straight, go fast.
3: Hey, Arthur Smith ought to be used to an offense where he only has one viable wide receiver. True enough.
2: But Good point. he doesn't have Derrick Henry, so there's that, that's the difference.
1: He has
0: Mike
3: Davis. Mike and, Davis. and JVN Hawkins.
1: Yeah. Oh, JVN Hawkins.
3: Yeah, I, I feel like as, as much right as, now. I need something to hang on to with
2: those three hundred seven. as much as it might make sense to move uh, Julio. I don't think they do because I think because they're tied to Ryan for the next three years. And so it doesn't make a ton of sense to say, well, I've invested 35 million a year in this 36 year old quarterback. Now we're going to take his historically best weapon and move him and replace him with a tight end that doesn't have the route running chops that Julio has, or we're going to hope Russell Gage or Christian Blake and stuff. It doesn't make sense for the offense to do.
3: That. I don't think it's, I don't, Personally, I think they're trading him because it makes that much sense for the offense. I think it's because they're getting murdered on the cap. They're still one of the teams that is way the F over, you know, and they're going to have to figure out and and clean that up. And I I think that's where it comes down to Julio Jones. That's why they're waiting to post June 1st, too, is because they can get the the greatest cap relief. If you were talking about just making – competitive move, you don't move him because you could have one of the best pass offenses in the league if you've got Ridley and Jones outside and Kyle Pitts in the middle and then, you know, Hayden Hurst or, or whoever else to fill it in, especially since they don't, you know, as people have noted, they have one of the worst, if not the worst, running back room overall. No shade to Mike Davis, who we thought was very competent, but he's by leaps and bounds, their their best guy right now.
1: All right, so that will do it for us today. Matt and myself will be back Thursday. Might do some schedule highlights. Is that released on Wednesday, right, you said? Wednesday
3: night, prime time. yep.
1: So it will be released Wednesday. Maybe we'll go over and talk a little bit about that. And then obviously, again, the three of us will be back together next Monday. Until Thursday, everybody have a great day, and we'll talk to you guys again soon.
0: Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn in. Do you got your popcorn? I came out the wrong line already. And he's the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump and leave. Golly. Oh, they tackle him in the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. I can.